Hello, and welcome to the Burning Cold Theater's podcast series, Into the Fire, with Jerome Davis. Hi, this is Jerome Davis. I'd like to welcome all of you to Into the Fire, the Burning Cold Theater Company podcast on all things theatrical. Our guest today is actor extraordinaire Simon Kaplan, who is joining us for The Weir by Connor McPherson. Simon, welcome. Hi. It's great to have you here. This is not your first Burning Cold production, but you're relatively new to the Triangle Theater scene. Can you give our listeners um, a bit of an idea of uh, where you, uh, where were you born and wh- how did you uh, get involved in theater, uh, I presume, early in your life? Yeah, um, well, I was born in London. Um, and lived there till I was 11, um, at which point my dad got a job at uh, the university in Reading, which is about 40 miles west of London. Um, we moved there, um, and at that point I got involved um, in school plays. Um, my, it was a, like, um, I suppose you call it junior and high school? Middle school or high Mi- school. Middle school yeah, and junior. high school all together, yeah. so it was, it was mm-hmm. like Harry Potter. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, seven years all in the same school. Um, and I, yeah, my friends and I were, were in the plays and we enjoyed it. Um, and then in my third year, the, um, the director, the, the English teacher named Peter Stoddard, um, he was producing um, Henry IV Part Two, And he cast me as Mistress Quickly um, and said that if he could have found an older boy to play the part, he would have cast the older boy, but he couldn't, so he was going to give it to me. Mm-hmm. And that was really the first indication that I might be a bit good at this. Uh-huh. Um, That's a big role in that it show. Was, yeah, for, for, a, for a 12, 13-year-old, yes. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. um, I mean, almost all the other, the, the bigger parts were being played by fifth, sixth, and seventh years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, you know, I, I think I held my own. My, my note, my, my more or less constant note was, talk slower. Because uh-huh. uh, I was, I think I was nervous and just kind of rushing through my lines. But yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then I got involved in um, a local student um, youth group right. that I was doing lots of theatre in your in my home in my hometown in high school age. Or uh, yes, it was. Um, I think fourteen to to eighteen or mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my high school was very um, university bound, mm-hmm. um, and also my my father being an academic, um, my parents kind of wanted me to go to university. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had had a little bit more, um, I don't know, circumspection maybe, I might have just said, okay, well, I'm going to train to be an actor mm-hmm. um, and gone to somewhere like RADA or Lambda and, and you know, done their, right. their course there. But um, <laughs> university was the course that was expected of me, both at, at school and at home. So um, I got into the drama department at Bristol, mm-hmm. um, which is the oldest drama department in, in England. And the, old, the Bristol Old Vic is associated with that? Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, we, they, they would use our space for, for some shows. Um, one of their, their teachers would come and teach us movement. Um, but really, two very, they, they were separate programs. Distinct, yeah. um, but we did hang out a bit with, with some of the students at Bristol Old Vic. Mm-hmm. We'd play football with them up on the... the the Bristol Downs on a Saturday morning and right, stuff. Right. Um, but um, I went into Bristol thinking that, well, I was probably going to want to be an actor when I came out of it. 
but it gave me a, a really good education in, in of all aspects of theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of academic study, obviously, of plays. But also there was an op- opportunity to, to direct. Um, I did some lighting design, um, worked in the wardrobe, stage management, all sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and came out with a, with a BA, um, a Bachelor of Arts, and knowing, yep, I, as I suspected, I, I still wanted to go on acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then did a one-year uh, post-grad actors training in London mm-hmm. um, at a place called the Drama Studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and came out of that and my very first job was it, it just it couldn't have been better it was it was pretty amazing um, it was with a avant-garde group in the Netherlands called Theatre Research Group KISS um, the audition for them was a week long um, which is I think pretty unusual um, Some of ours feel like they're <laughs> a week long, but uh, yeah. Uh, and th- so they came to London and auditioned? Uh, no, well, they, they came to London to, um, to sort of present a, just maybe a, an hour, hour and a half about the company. And if this interests you, then come to the Netherlands mm-hmm. where they were based um, and work with us for a week, mm-hmm. um, a selection week it was called. And you were selecting the company as much as the company was selecting you. At the end of the week, it was pretty apparent whether it was going to be a good fit or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were, I think, about maybe 14 performers, mm-hmm. um, a director, a dramaturg, um, some administrators, a stage manager. We, mm-hmm. we worked in a disused barracks in a town in Leeuwarden, a town called Leeuwarden in the, in the mm-hmm. north of the Netherlands. Yeah. Huge place amazing spaces to work in mm-hmm. um oh rooms oh, i i don't know a couple of hundred feet long and um and yeah, lots and lots and lots of space um and the focus of the the first season that i was with them um toward the end of the end of the year we did a 24-hour show uh, three times in three different cities mm. um based around Dante's Divine Comedy. Um, the idea being that the audience, like um, Virgil, Virgil was the guide, uh, the audience was kind of like Dante, um, starting off in hell, moving through purgatory, and then on into heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like a, a festival of one-act plays, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of the stuff was company devised, mm-hmm. Um, when was this? This was early 80s, oh, okay. um, 81, 82. Yeah. Um, and it was the, the director, a man named Jean-Pierre Vos, um, a visionary, um, a, a madman. He was incredibly good at drawing creativity out of people, mm-hmm. but also really hard to work with, mm-hmm. um, as is often the way with, with you know, creative geniuses yeah. um, and so we, we, we completed the, the year in, in the Netherlands and then went to tour in Australia uh, for six months at the end of which I, being with the, the, the good stuff that he brought was kind of no longer um, worth the bad stuff that he brought because uh, he was so hard to work with um, so I left the company went back to, to London um, and then over the course of the next probably three, four, five years, um, was 
just another young actor in London um, trying to get work and uh, sometimes I would have you know a nice job and most of the time I didn't um, and it just got to be a huge struggle to get to get work right. and to get satisfying work right. um, three jobs in three years and the rest of the time I was waiting table and, and those jobs were for six or eight weeks at a yep, time that's, like yeah, that, yeah. And, and touring <clears throat> yeah. um, usually which I didn't really like very much even before I had a family there's a lot a lot more of that in England it seems than mm -hmm. here in the US yeah and I mean partly maybe because it's so much smaller as a country you can so. go out for a day and yeah. come back if you yeah. live in London yeah, yeah. in uh, my first uh, job if you want to call it that in New York when I went up there was working for the son of uh, Julian Beck and wow. Judith Molina wow. and uh, the description that you just laid out was uh, uh, very familiar to uh -huh. me uh, uh -huh. in, in that case as well. Yeah. So backing up just a bit, what did your father teach at Reading? Uh, he was a virologist, um, uh, a, a virologist. Study, studying viruses. viruses yes, huh? and he was, a, um, he was the chair of the, the Department of Microbiology. And your mother did? She was a school teacher. Uh -huh. What, uh, Ella? Elementary, school? yeah, yeah in yeah. public school. And so how does theater come out of that? Uh, um, I think my mother was probably um, a frustrated actor. She never did any theater, but she was certainly, um, she was a good performer in front of the classroom um, mm -hmm. and I think that's that's where I got the the, the bug good and, teachers are yeah aren't they? yeah, yeah. Um, I have cousins on my mother's side who are, who are performers as mm -hmm. well so um, so you were around uh, artistic uh, sensibilities uh. I yeah I mean you know there was a, a ton of books at home yeah. um, and I, my my parents were more um, they didn't go to the theater very often apart from to come and see me yeah. Um, but you know, they were certainly my my artistic pursuits were were very much encouraged. When yeah. did you start going to the theater? Uh, was it while you were pursuing it? Uh, did you or before you got interested in it? Did you take trips into London to see plays? Or um, I would say started going regularly when when I was in college. Do you have any recollections of uh, seismic events in your? theatre going? I saw a production um, at the Donmar Warehouse um, very shortly after it opened. Uh -huh. um, I'm going to, to, I can't think of the name of the play, it was by Edward Bond uh -huh. um, and it was brilliant. Um, Alfred Molina was in it, uh -huh. a very small part, I think he was a pretty young, young yeah. man at the time, um, but it was, wow, okay, it, was, it was very strong. Um, Something I, like the sea, maybe. Uh, nope, it wasn't the sea. It was, he has a version of King Lear, I think. I mean, he's got many. many yeah, he does. I, maybe, yeah. maybe it was Lear. I forget. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it was, it was good. In um, in the when I was fourteen at my the the uh, local theatre in Reading that I was a member of, um, a, a travelling a troupe of I think they were from Oberlin College, American students mm. came. Um, and did a, a production of a play called The Promise by Alexei Arbuzov. Um, and there's a role in that called uh, Marek, a young man. And I thought that that was just written for me. Mm -hmm. And that if I become an actor, then maybe one day I could play Marek. Uh -huh. And I did. Uh -huh. um, one of the, the jobs that in, my, in my time in England mm -hmm. um, with Oxfordshire Touring Theatre Company. 
um, I did a show with them and they said oh, our next play is We're Doing The Promise by, by Abuzov and I was like oh wow I'd love to be in that and yeah. the director saw the fact that, that you knew what it was yeah, probably impressed yeah. them to yeah. some degree as well yeah. um, and uh, uh, so um, did, you, did you were you good uh, were you good at that time in your life uh, a good actor yeah yeah I think so yeah um, yeah I'd never quite understood why it was such a struggle for me to get work um, a lot of good actors in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, the I mean, I I did receive a lot of praise from from people I work with, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so yes, good. Yeah. Well, the the reason I ask is that uh, again, uh, from my own history, there was a moment where I became good as an actor and I wasn't good before that and I knew I wasn't good before uh-huh. it but something <laughs> happened one night in a rehearsal and I felt like I'd fallen off a cliff and huh. and uh, and I never you know my, my, it may be self-delusion but my <laughs> experience my feeling is that after that point I was able to seriously think of myself as an actor uh-huh. uh, and I just wonder if everybody has that moment in their life at some point or if you I I mean I'm I'm I don't want to blow my own or toot my trumpet or whatever it's called, but um, I was told by more than one people that I was the best teenage actor they had ever seen. Mm, wow, um, that's impressive. It was, I don't know, it was, it sort of came naturally. So do you, um, do you think the lack of work was, uh, was competition? Um, was it uh, bad luck? Uh, was it not working hard enough? What, what was it? Uh, um... I competition and bad luck. It certainly wasn't not working hard enough. I was putting out a ton of letters, yeah. um, and you know, trying to get auditions. I never managed to get a decent agent, yeah. um, which you know was I think was was um, counted against me. That's the real catch twenty two yeah. in the business. Yeah. You don't yeah. get work without an agent. You don't get an agent without, without having, work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, I was I was probably getting I don't know maybe ten rejection letters a week mm-hmm. yeah. um, the message of which usually phrased a little more nicely than this was you're not good enough we don't want you mm. um, and wow. you know 10 of those a week it's kind of it, <laughs> it, 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 yeah exactly and yeah. so one day in I was about 30 I just it occurred to me that well, I've done some good work I played roles I wanted to play um, I've been in some really good shows and if I were to stop I wouldn't be doing so as a failure and that thought just like lifted a 10 ton weight off my shoulders Um, and so then you moved to the States well I I, it was about maybe 4 or 5 years after that I Mm -hmm. I came to America Mm -hmm. Um, but I I, you know didn't send out another resume and Mm -hmm. and didn't go to any more auditions and um, sometimes when you do that things happen you know, a door opens at that point in your life. Did you have that experience, or, or did it really? It, that was really the end of it for you. Um, it, no, that was the end of it. I, yeah. I'm not, I didn't. I didn't seek more work and uh, yeah. more theatre work. No one called and you and said none came my way. No, no, I was just you know. The promise just... is being revived <laughs> on the West End. And... No, no, <laughs> no. Well, no. It's. Uh, I, I ask all those questions because it's it's what every actor goes through to some degree. I think mm-hmm. uh, the ones who. Uh, you know, st- strike out to to make a career in it, uh, uh, and that uh, you know, the, when I left New York in the mid '90s, there was an article in the New York Times that appeared a few months before I left that said that in the past year, 85 actors had 
had made a living working in the New York theater that year. Um, and they had a definition of that, and that essentially meant enough money to live off of for the year. So there were other actors who were in one uh -huh. show, you know, that ran right, okay. for six yeah. weeks and uh -huh. closed, or they did a tour outside of the city, or, you know, they worked at a Lord Theater or something like that. Uh -huh. But working in Manhattan, you know, doing the, the Broadway, off-Broadway thing that that is for reasons that mystify me, uh, the goal, you know, for most actors. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's the money because they don't pay much better there than they do anywhere else. But, uh, but for some reason that is the goal. And, and when you, uh, you know, are, are there and uh, being told over and over again, no, and seeing the lines of, you know, hundreds uh -huh. of people for, you know, for a part that, you know, at some small theater in Hudson County or something like that, you know, uh, uh, it's uh, it's it's it can wear on you for sure. Mm. Did you think about other things in the theater, other jobs? You had a lot of experience very early in a whole bunch of different areas. Mm. Did you think maybe I'll try to do stage management? Or no, no. Um, I just wanted to break because I knew that if I was around the theater, I would want I would just be a frustrated actor. Yeah, um, that's where my my creative juices had been, yeah. and and that. To, to to be so close to them, it would have probably felt worse than not working at all, yeah, just to, to yeah. have been thwarted in those in those desires. That was uh, probably a wise decision. We we all know people who didn't uh, make that decision, and uh, and maybe those around them regret it. <laughs> some, uh, but you came to the states to do what? Um, I came to the states to um, to take a, a program in a breathing technique called conscious connected breathing. Uh -huh. um, which also in, in certain circles is known as rebirthing. Mm -hmm. um, that particular word has a bad rap in North Carolina uh, because somebody was doing something very different um, and they called it that and mm -hmm. that actually resulted in the death of a, of, of, um, a young girl, mm -hmm. uh, which was absolutely the, the furthest thing from, from the technique that, that I was involved in. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I met my wife. Um, who was also um, part of the, the program. And that was here here in North Carolina? In, no, in, in Connecticut, Connecticut okay. um, which is where the program was. Yeah. Um, and within a year or so of, um, of getting married, we decided that we didn't like the long, cold winters in Connecticut mm -hmm. um, and wanted somewhere that still had four seasons, um, but with a shorter winter. Yeah. Um, and her father had told her that uh, Chapel Hill was an interesting sort of a place. Yeah. So we drove down and um, her father yeah. had told her that Chapel Hill was an interesting sort of a place. Yeah. So we drove down and um, checked it out and there was just her and me. We had no jobs, no money, no uh -huh. kids, just, just each other. And how old were you at that time? Uh, that would have been... So late 30s, I suppose, um, 37 or so, maybe. I think that's right. Almost exactly when I got here, I was 36. Okay. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And yep, figured that we could we could live here, so we moved down and um, somehow managed not to go bankrupt. Mm. Um, and avoided Jesse Helms for a few years. Yeah. 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 Good yeah. Although a friend of ours did um, have a did meet him once mm -hmm. in an elevator with his grandson. And uh, it, he was, this guy was a staunch Democrat, and he was like, mm, mm, mm. he was, wasn't comfortable being in the elevator yeah. with Jesse Helms, who was being a politician and, you know, glad-handing people. Yeah, sure. And when he got off the elevator, his grandson said, what a nice man! <laughs> and 
Let's have that conversation a little bit later on. Yeah. Although I hear he used to do things like somebody would call his office and say that his, their car had been impounded, uh -huh. and he would personally go find the car for them and wow. sometimes spend half a day looking for the car and stuff like that. that had, yeah, his, his constituent's office was, was yeah. very strong. That yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so eventually you got into a line of work that could, that could support you yourself? Yeah, um, I've actually been at the same company for 25 years now which is pretty astonishing to me because the longest I'd ever worked anywhere else was with, uh, the, with KISS. Uh, with her, I was with them for 18 months. Right. Um, wow. So 18 months and then, you know, 25, 25 years. years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite a difference. But no, it's a, it's a marketing consultancy. Uh -huh. I've done a, a load of different roles for them. Um, I, you know, I started off actually as a phone interviewer yeah. um, because of my voice. Sure. Um, and they quickly promoted me off the phones and I've done project management, I've done document production and manage that division, and um, I'm currently director of sales operations. Do they, uh, are they nationwide or um, Yeah, they, well, there's offices in New York, um, Chapel Hill, yeah. uh, Chicago, and some on the West Coast. So um, more than a little creative energy goes into those types of jobs too, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How did you get back into the theater? Um, out of the blue, about four years ago, I got a, a residuals check from the BBC <laughs> for, the, for the TV show that I did in the 1980s, the only bit of TV I ever got. What was the show? Lovejoy. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. uh, antique sets. Uh, Lovejoy is a, a lovable rogue um, with a heart of gold. It's set in the antiques trade. Um, and he gets up into, into all sorts of scrapes and, and gets himself out of them yeah. again by the end of the episode. Yeah, my wife has um, watched every one of them. I'm oh, sure well, she would have seen me with, seen, yeah. with hair down practically to my, my shoulders yeah. and shirt open to my navel in the medallion. Um, <laughs> but so I, I almost those, uh, in those days very, very rarely posted anything on Facebook. But this, getting this check for £75 was so extraordinary that I... And I don't know how they found me, mm. but they did. Um, so I posted it on Facebook, and one of my colleagues uh, got the DVD from Netflix, and they showed it at work one lunchtime uh, to general hilarity. And it was, it was, you know, it was good fun. <laughs> uh, but one of my other colleagues was um, involved in the theatre scene in Durham, yeah. um, and she suggested that I should do the group audition that was coming up at Man Bites Dog. Mm -hmm. In a few weeks, and I said, "Oh no, no, nah." And she went, "Go on." I said, "No." She said, "Go on." I said, "Oh, all right." And um, so I, I found a monologue of one minute, which is easier said than done. Yeah. Um, and it was also I noticed it was it seemed to be rather more effort to memorise the lines um, at you know in my late fifties than it had been when I was swanning around in my mid-twenties. Yeah. Um, but So I went to those group auditions and on the strength of that, somebody gave me um, a little role in a basically a, a sketch at the Art Centre in Carborough. Mm -hmm. um, and um, Jerry Lynn Schulke saw me in that and recommended me to Julia Miro for 84 Charing Cross Road, which she was doing at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. I auditioned for that. I, I played um, Frank Dole in that um, and started looking around for other auditions. Um, the, the Facebook, Triangle Facebook audition page was, was very helpful. Yeah. Um, and I auditioned for Honest Pint mm -hmm. for the Hamlet. 
Um, and I was amazed that on the strength of one 10-minute audition, they cast me as Claudius. Yeah. Um, and, you know, within, within a few months of just dipping my toe back in the water, there I was. I was, I was, I was in a production of Hamlet, for goodness yeah. sake. Yeah. Um, playing playing Claudius. Claudius yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I saw the production it was very very good um, Thank you. and um, and was there was it like riding a bicycle was it easy to get back it was it? yes I mean the uh, the the your your analogy is very good because it's you know you, you don't you don't forget how to ride a bike and I hadn't forgotten how to be an actor I mean, I've still got the you know I can fill a room with my voice mm-hmm. um, and I yeah, you know, remembered my technique mm-hmm. um, and and technical things about about performing. The one it, learning lines is is more difficult than it was. I think. I mean, I I put a, a lot of work into into memorization. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> I don't remember having to work so hard at memorization no. before. But, no, yeah. the brain is a sponge at that yeah. age, and, yeah. and later on, it's mm. uh, it's not so much, yeah. but it's uh, it's very important. I. I um, tell every actor who asks or even seems remotely interested that I think all the work that an actor really does begins after they're able to put the script down because that's when they're able to look at the other actors and rela- you know, respond to mm-hmm. what they're doing mm-hmm. naturally and not in, in a stilted way that, mm-hmm. that would result inevitably I think from having you know from constantly looking down to see what your next thought is right, and, yeah, yeah. And whatever and I and I have a hard time convincing <laughs> a lot of people of that uh, but it is uh, it is a critical thing what do you want to do uh, Simon uh, you're doing the weir for us uh, mm-hmm. uh, other than the promise uh, what, what what would you like to oh, do? I'm, I'm rather too old for the promise now there's not a an older part in no the, no uh, it's just three young people oh, the, oh. the teenagers in in act one and and in their in their 20s in act two and in their 30s in act three um I would love to I've never done any Beckett yeah. I would I would I would love to play um I would love to be in Endgame um Ham I believe is the the, the blind fella yeah have um, you done a Pinter I've I was in um The Room yeah. um playing Gus um one of the hitmen yeah. um I would love to do some Chekhov um never done any Chekhov yeah. um and there's there's oh one thing that that i probably i i could do a lot more of is read plays mm-hmm. um just for fun and for for you know for learning um there's i'm there's a ton of plays that have been written in the last you know since i stopped doing so regularly yeah um that there's a whole canon of work that mm-hmm. i i really don't know very much mm-hmm. about some of um, it's a lot, a lot of fun, like uh, Mr. McPherson's work. Uh-huh, yeah. You've done two of those now, right? Because you did, uh, did you not do... Um, the, uh, Night the Night Alive? No. You no, weren't in that I production? I was not, no. Okay, that was no. a, a Honest Pint production right, as yes, well. Right, yes, yes, I saw that. Simon, we've enjoyed uh, having you with us uh, for this, this production, and you also appeared with us in uh, Written on the Heart a couple of years ago, David mm-hmm. Edgar's play, mm-hmm. uh, and we've enjoyed uh, working with you tremendously and are really looking forward to it. Do you have anything you want to say about the Weir before we uh, sign off for the day? I would say come and see it. Um, it's, it has a, an amazing quality of being... It, on, on the surface, it seems just completely everyday normal just people talking um, and yet it reveals astonishing depths of humanity um, 
he's a he's a brilliant writer at, at how how he manages to to convey such emotional and human depth mm-hmm. in just really very very normal speech uh, it's it's really well done he does it again and again in his plays mm. uh, yeah and uh, great cast yeah great director oh, well, <laughs> no need to say that but uh, but we appreciate your work on it and we look forward to you in the weir uh, it opens on Thursday November 29th and runs for three weeks through December 16th here at Burning Coal. Tickets are burningcoal.org or 919-834-4001. We hope everybody will come see it. Although it doesn't seem like a Christmas show, I think ultimately it may be a really good one. Thank you, Simon. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Our production of Connor McPherson's The Weir will run from Thursday, November 29th through Sunday, December 16th. To purchase tickets or for more information, visit our website at burningcoal.org or give us a call at 919-834-4001.